0: And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome
2: back, Ankle Pickers. We have an absolute full house today with both the Coritz brothers and our resident Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, Parker Rios. Um, So we just had spring cleaning time we discussed all the different valleys and avenues we're about to take this this bad boy so big big content yeah big content uh, roadmap coming so good things for all you ankle pick fans as usual today we're gonna have recap news and notes country clubs got them lined up and then main episode. Parker's got a jet at eight. So we might hit him with a PJJ corner, depending on timing. Also, we have a sports card episode slash investment episode coming early next week on YouTube. It'll also be on audio. That's some, some of the different areas we're trying to adventure. And Country Club, am I missing anything?
1: No, I think you got it.
2: Cool. So, All right. So big things coming. So we're going to start off with last week's card. It was a uh, UFC London, noon 30 card, Aspinall Volkov main event. And there are some storylines to take away from this. And there are some interesting developments also to take away from this. So, Dan, I don't know if you managed to salvage a Green Knight, but I got my head completely chopped off.
0: My streak came sadly to an end. I went down five units. Um, I think the biggest loss of the night was on that ankle lock of ours, which also sadly the streak came to an end. Um, but yeah, I think across the board, a lot of guys that I respect within the industry you included had, had negative nights.
2: Good. It, and well, not good, but it, it's the opposite of good. I, I agree. Most people, if not everyone went negative and I was on bet MMA tips looking at a lot of people's free plays and and where uh, some of the main cappers are at including us because I knew where we were at and you know a lot of the similar storylines I think a lot of people got beat on the same bet unfortunately too the ankle pick or ankle lock streak also comes to an end Kobe where are we sitting on that
1: ankle lock is seven and two in 2022. We've been betting five units on that game that we're playing. We're up 19.78 units on the year. All time, we're sitting at 35 and 14.
2: All right, 35-14, and 7-2 on the year, still up 20 units at five-unit wagers. I lied, 35 and 15. 35-15, that's fine. And All I think we 15. only
0: dropped one spot in the uh, Lock of the Night okay. challenge that I, I talk a lot about. Obviously, there's a little bit more separation between us and the money spots But we're still sitting there in fifth of a group of, I think, 30 to 40 cappers. And that's a spot where I'm pretty proud of it. We're we're within striking distance of the money.
2: For sure. And we're far from from done, too. We're just getting warmed up. I mean, the thing, too, Dan, that makes it okay is I know we were tossing and turning between a couple – And with the way this card went, they all lost. So it wouldn't have mattered.
0: Yeah, I think Jack Shore was the only one that would have been green, and that was one where I think I even tweeted it out. I had it scored for um, Timur. So I I wouldn't have been comfortable even at the end of the fight had we gone with that. There you
2: go, yeah. And I know there were so many lines that were untouchable. You vetoed me on our Malort bet. Speaking of which, do you have the Malort in studio right now?
0: You know I always come
2: prepared. Good man, good man. I think because of how one-sided it was and how slow Hooker looked, maybe a third one needs to be flown down that goal tonight.
0: Yeah, so, potentially.
2: Well, so let's 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 start off and and just get this running because this really was a fantastic card when it comes to the finishing aspect. Kobe, you're going to need to be bouncing in and out like clockwork with these bonuses. Isn't there? How many are there? There's a lot, right? Nine. There's nine. Nine. I thought they gave I thought one
0: to that. every single finish.
2: Okay, cool. So we'll we'll run through that. So let's start here. Muhammad Makaya versus Cody Durden. Dan, you mentioned out the gate that Cody Durden is going to look his price as far as value goes because he's a tough guy to finish. I jumped on that prediction with you and agreed. Well, 58 seconds into the first round, he got choked out, and it was impressive to watch, to say the least.
0: Yeah, really hard to ask for anything else out of a out of a debut flying knee and then a rear naked choke right off the bat it, man was that cool to watch what a incredible way to start a card that was just non-stop highlight real moments
2: yeah it's it, it was i mean like you said it went from a knee but his knowledge on the ground with his transitions and being able to get to side control to, to lock in that choke and or it might've been mounted, but it was, I remember being like, wow, wow. As he made every single move, I was impressed. So this also kind of segues into the roadmap we were talking about. So Muhammad makayev I actually saw on TikTok, DM'd Dana White four years ago and said, follow me back. I'm going to be in the UFC soon. And then he showed his finish and his hand getting raised. So that's a cool little story. The connection is, we're gonna get more active on TikTok, so go follow. If you have a TikTok and you want some UFC content, because there's never enough, at ankle, at Ankle Pick Pod over there, we'll get the job done. But uh, Parker, did you manage to see this curtain jerker or not? Because the transitions on Jiu Jitsu were incredible. Okay, we're gonna make you watch that one back. It is, it is impressive to say the least. Okay, at least Reed had a split decision against McKenna, in, in on home turf, nothing right home about. Danny had scored it for Timor, but it was unanimous decision for Jack shore. Who's actually got a rookie card in this upcoming set. So you'll hear more about him later in the week. Okay. So this was the ink lock that went astray. Nikita Krylov got insta-subbed by Paul Craig. And when I mean, insta subbed I mean, it went from zero to a hundred in about a second. I, I, Dan, I was with you. We looked so good until we didn't. Um, I, I don't know what, else to say other than that
0: yeah it was definitely the right read i would probably bet it again i just would probably spam krylov's dms i'm pre-leading up to the fight and tell him don't get in this guy's guard it, it seems so obvious it's like you're fighting a guy who can only beat you if you get into his guard what are you gonna do get into his guard it seems like everyone makes the same mistake
2: do you think that it was Hubris on Krylov's part as, oh, I'm good enough at jits to defend this? Or do you think it, it really was just fight IQ where he was obviously landing some devastating shots in, in, a, in an attempted kind of hammer fist when, when Paul Craig was pull, pulled guard? Do you think it was him going for the finish and, and it was a lack of IQ? Or do you really think it was like, oh, Paul Craig's jiu jitsu isn't that great and my jiu jitsu defense is that great? I can do this.
0: So I think it was a combination of both. I think that he was comfortable getting to that position and um, not making Paul stand back up, not backing away from him because of his confidence. But then the fight IQ came out and it was, I'm getting reckless. I'm hurting the guy. I'm going to just throw hammer fists without setting them up and, and moving his hips out of the way. And it, it jumped right into Paul Webb's trap.
2: Yeah. or Paul, Paul Craig
0: Paul yeah, Craig's I, Webb.
2: And I do believe that those, that ground and pound or, or I, I, those hammer fists, I guess, were landing. They were effective. I mean, they look powerful. Another takeaway from this, Dan, is how fucking strong Alonzo Manyfield is because Manyfield finished Craig with those exact same shots, literally to yep. a T. Craig pulled guard and Manyfield kind of hammer fisted him from what, what, what would you even call that position? I mean, just standing while he's just on stacked his back guard. Yeah. 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 And uh so, anyways, but that was probably one of the smoothest, quickest triangles I've ever seen. It, it, it from the wrist control, locking them in and wrapping those legs around, all it took literally a second and a half. Yeah.
0: And then pulling the head in, and it was just incredible. It was just textbook.
2: Yeah. To wrap the arm across. It was great. Okay. Sergey Pavlovich finished Shamil Akimov and pretty, I mean, four minutes in the first round. Dan, you had your you were a little bit apprehensive on Pavlovich just because of the inactivity and and sheer size. Are you happy with the performance or are you kind of just, I mean, whatever it's, it's a 40 year old Shamil.
0: I mean, he ran through him. I'm happy with the performance. He did exactly what um, we kind of all thought. I am excited to see where he goes from here. I'm not ready to say, look out heavyweights, but um, I'm ready to say that about the guy in the main
2: event. Yeah. And, and we'll get there soon because it, it was a great main event. So, okay, we need to talk about Maquan versus Mike Grundy because Mike Grundy has this phenomenal wrestling pedigree. He was in his home country. He he has he had a minus 200 line, all, all of the things that would recommend a, or, or suggest a good performance. And he lost Vian to Anna choke in 57 seconds, which brought Maquan Amiricani off his three-fight skid on his own term. But it was a quick finish. And it was one that, again, was phenomenal transitions from Americani Because at first, it looked like he didn't have it. Grundy went for a takedown and kind of gave him his neck. And I wasn't worried at first. And Grundy started to wall-walk that cage. And Maquan knew exactly what to do to cinch that arm and and or that shoulder, and that neck in there. And it was a phenomenal choke by Maquan to get him on the map. But you got to ask and wonder what's going on with Grundy here because it's a three-fight skid, and honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's all we hear from uh, of Mike Grundy. Um, I Grundy. was
0: impressed by Machwan. I I think that this is the just the way Grundy rolls. I'm always a little bit underimpressed, and he never is shown out. I um, well, am still- not excited
2: to back really ever at any price, let alone two hundred. He steamed up all the way to minus like 200 at close, which is incredible, honestly, because it opened it. I think Mach 1 is the favorite. And Mach 1 fell in hard times, but, I mean, Grundy didn't even really – I mean, obviously, we only saw him for 57 seconds. But, yeah, I mean, Mach 1 is back on the winning terms. But Grundy now falls to falls three straight. Do we see Grundy for another fight inside the octagon?
0: I don't know. I, I could see him bounce down and then bounce back up. If he uh, has another cage warriors or brave FC kind of impressiveness, but I think, I think you could be on to something. We, we could be getting a Twitter notification in the next couple of days that nope. no
2: longer going to see Mike. I wouldn't be surprised. So That was the prelim capper. Dan, do you want to rip the first Malord chop before we hit main card? Get your juices. Yeah. Why, why
0: not? And I, I owe a couple, don't I?
2: You do get them on camera. Cause hooker looked like shit at 45. Yeah, there it is.
0: Yeah, Hooker, he oof.
2: he looks so slow, but we'll get to that. I don't
0: know what's going to get me sicker, thinking about his, his performance or taking this shot.
2: Honestly, it's <laughs> neither of them are going to help. Oh, <laughs> if you know what it feels like, you know what it feels like. a boy, Dan, way to pay the dues. All right, mar- marching back up the card. So first fight on the on the main card was Ilya Teporea versus Jai Herbert. And this fight, from scared one, the daylights he, out of me. Scared the daylights out of me. Ilya Taporia clearly dropped the first round. He was minus, I think, 130 live after the first round. And it was kind of like bouncing between even. And it was
0: mid, it was mid announcer. I can't remember who it was. Might have been Dan Hardy, but it was mid someone talking about how on earth is he still a live favorite? Did they not watch that first round? And then
2: bang. Yeah. So I was in a big group of people. We were day drinking for this one. And everyone was like either getting bets in on Herbert or was talking about how they want Herbert, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I knew – I live bet. I have a live bet stamp to prove it. I knew that Ilya Tapuria was not losing. There is no way. The man is too skilled, and he slumped him shortly thereafter. So we had a really tough first round. I think he actually got dropped, Dan. Yep and it's not embarrassing. I mean, we've seen phenomenal stand up out of Jai Herbert. I mean, he he really is an incredible kickboxer, especially for the range he presents he brings to the table at 55. But Ilya Taporia showed off his power. It took about a minute and 7 seconds into the second round and when when we're we're not talking TKO here, Dan. We're talking lights out, lawn chair fold out of Jai Herbert.
0: The last thing I want to say about this fight um I read an awesome thread from a Georgian guy on Twitter talking about Ilya's brother, Alexandre, in his corner and what he was saying the whole fight. And it, it's funny because Ilya, the big right hand that ended the fight, was the opposite of what Alexandre wanted. <laughs> but I do want to give a shout-out to Alexandre for trying to save the Nathaniel Wood fight. He was uh, on weight and had accepted the Nathaniel Wood fight on short notice um, as a 4-1 and one professional fighter himself but uh that didn't end up being to fruition but regardless i'm, I'm saying to look out for another Taporia to bust onto the scene in the next couple of years
2: yeah baller and that's someone when you know based on our track record with prospects we'll be all over it as he comes so we, honestly that might be a content segment prospect hour dan because you and i just tout these guys you especially from years before we even hear their name hit the scene but yeah, Ilya Teplyayev beat Chai Herbert in his own game. I expected a wrestling-heavy approach. I expect, expected a jiu-jitsu-heavy approach. I think he might have mixed in one takedown after getting rocked in the first. But to beat him with a with a overhand right is just that much more impressive. Just okay, this party. this is in contention for knockout of the year, and it, it, you wouldn't even be like I would. I probably it has my vote right now molly mccann spinning back elbow over Luana carolina and kind of like the jai herbert when we're talking lights out we're talking like no one's home whatsoever folds she was
0: getting pieced up the whole fight she was hurt yeah yeah yeah. and, and she wanted a way out but that's not the way that anyone wants to go out no
2: and the other thing too about carolina is that a lot of people didn't realize, I know the room I was with didn't realize, was she's a two-time Muay Thai champion. And so to get caught with a strike that devastating like that, I know she did get pieced up. She definitely was a little slower, but hats off to Molly McCann. because well, but the I- way it
0: went down, watching – I so – Molly McCann comes out like a bat out of hell in the first. Yeah. I thought the adrenaline dump was going to catch up with her. I did too. I thought that we were going to see uh, Luana come on a little stronger as the third and, and as the fight progressed, being that she has this Muay Thai experience and being that Molly was at home in front of a sold-out 0-2 crowd adrenaline dump right away. She's with Patty before the fight, like back uh, in their locker room, just hyping each other up. Yeah. Man, I was impressed that Molly just put it on her, and it did not stop. The pace never stopped. That elbow was unbelievable. Um, I think it's the fourth or fifth ever spinning elbow finish. Incredible. In the UFC history. Yeah, just incredible.
2: Like, jaw-dropping incredible. Like, if you show some random person off the street that KO, they're hooked to the sport for life. I mean, it's really that crazy.
0: What did you think about the whole theatrics afterwards yeah. of uh running out grabbing some fans replica belt running her back into the octagon holding a replica ufc belt
2: so granted i was pretty drunk at the time but the only thing i could focus on was trying to debunk where the hell she got that belt from they showed brandon moreno in the crowd and i was like oh there's and i was like wait a second he didn't even have it whose yeah. fucking belt is that <laughs> i think
0: it's some like replica belt that they just sold outside the UFC london some fan
2: but honestly, like, obviously, Valentina holds the crown there. But I mean, if, if Meatball Molly strings one or two more of these together, I mean, she she's gonna have a crack at it. I mean, I would if, put
0: so much money on Valentina against her.
2: I mean, I'm putting so much money on Valentina against anybody.
0: Not but to take again, away from not yeah. to take away from Molly's
1: spinning back elbow as the favorite. I have an update to the, the science. We, uh, Molly, oh. second of two yeah. women's fights on the card this week. Uh, Elise Reed was the first to one as a big dog. Big old so, dog. Yep. You can get her at plus 285 at close. Okay. So five unit plays on every women's dog all year. You're up 20.75 units in 2022.
2: Wow. Wow. Let's just assume. So, what would one unit plays be? Do you have that up or no? Yeah, I kind of want to see like the standard deviations. You know what I mean?
1: I hear you. I, I have it. Let me get let me get to it. All
2: right. While Country Club gets after it, let's talk about Gunnar Nelson, Takashi Soto, because Gunnar Nelson's making his debut after a very long layoff. Not a debut, but like his his return after a very long layoff. And Takashi Sato, although it was a short notice replacement, he he's not a slouch. But Gunnar made him look like one, especially on the back. I would say that for those who didn't catch this one, I would say Gunnar probably had ten minutes as a backpack on Sato just on the ground, you know, smacking the ears. It it, it was, I mean, nothing to write home about. Gunner looked good. I know he was calling for a rematch with Ponzi. Ponzi finished him, I think, 2018 or something like that. That could be a match in the making, but I I don't know. Is this more Gunner looked great or Sato looked, eh? or is this just, I don't know. There's got to be a storyline under this, right? I think
0: Gunner looked good. I think he should have probably found the finish just with that amount of backpack time. I think he exposed some holes in Takashi's game that some other fighters will use. But overall, I don't think that this one shook up 170 much. I don't think Gunner's back in contention. Um oh, good yeah, to see him yeah, in the wing yeah. column.
2: No, and Gunner. I mean, Gunner's 33. So even with the year and a half two-year layoff, I mean, he still really has a lot of gas left in the tank. So it's going to be a career worth monitoring from here because he really did have a layoff. I don't know if details ever emerged on why, but excited to see him back, especially from a longtime fan. Country Club, got updated numbs? 4.15. 4 so yeah, so 4.15 units of profit at one unit bets. And there's Pretty been impressive. only 15
1: women's fights all year so far.
2: That's honestly a gift for the fans because I, I, the amount of people that I know that just get up and leave is... But that be are
1: if you're taking every women's dog, you're almost up a third of a unit per play.
2: Yeah. That's Man. crazy. Yeah. So the science, honestly, and, and science is backed by numbers. So we're just, we're just being the scientists here. We're just, don't, don't kill the messengers. We're just bringing the units to the table. Okay. So co-main to the co-main is what we're calling this one. Patty Pimlet, Subs, Rodrigo Vargas, First round, three minutes and 49 seconds. And it was an impressive sub. Patty got super hyped. Patty did his antics. Patty, this, Patty, that. I saw Patty on uh, talking with Portnoy about, you know, pay. And I saw Molly McCann running around. There's all these antics surrounding this. But, Dan, my takeaway from this fight is that Vargas looked good for the first two and a half minutes.
0: The paddy fade, whenever that comes to be, is going to be glorious. It's going right. to happen. It's going to happen big. And it is going to be a glorious, glorious fade. Very excited for that. Don't know the exact matchup, but these guys that are stunning him, that are hurting him, these are not guys that should be stunning and hurting you. I don't care how much adrenaline you have. You should not be entering – entering exchanges with your chin up like that it's just ridiculous for a guy with this much hype to be making these mistakes
2: right and this is a guy that i've been watching since cage warriors i mean way back in like i'm, t- I'm talking to like I've, i remember watching most of his headline cage warriors he's always had that presence about him especially with that haircut where they just chuck a bowl on his head but i mean getting dropped by vandermini Rodrigo Vargas having a good two minutes there where I thought the dog price was actually good before Pimlet did exactly what you said he was going to do, by the way, if we had to clip that chat moment, it is Pimlet sub first round. It was word for word out of your mouth. But I think Dan, this is going to be one of those where we better get on set the spread early because if, if other sharps get a whiff of Patty minus 400, before you know it, we're paying even price on the dog, you know, Definitely. I mean, what do you think the line? That one could would- be
0: a bell curve though. It's like starts one way sharps, bet it down, bet it down yeah. and then public hits it. And it's like, why are we getting Patty at even money? And then it's back up and
2: wild, but that's going to be something that you got to stay monitored too. Cause I mean, so far he got two finishes as far as everyone's concerned in the UFC. But what I, my takeaways were he got dropped by Vander and and uh, Rodrigo Vargas won the first two minutes. He's
0: been on skates twice against guys that, have no dreams of ever being ranked.
2: That's as good. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. Co-main event, Arnold Allen dismantles, derails and destroys Dan Hooker. Two minutes and 33 seconds left or two minutes, 33 seconds into the very first round, knees, punches, elbows and out the gate, Dan out the gate. The only thing I said at the TV over and over again is Dan Hooker looks slow. Dan Hooker looks slow. Dan Hooker looks lost. I mean, he was in – I'm not even kidding. From TV, I thought I punched harder. I really, really do. It was it was just going through the motions. And you mentioned that he looked like a skeleton in biology class. That's how sucked out he was when he got on those scales, and it showed. And so I know Dana was mentioning that Dan Hooker can do whatever he wants. He stepped up, and hes he – he took this fight and he cut to 45 and made weight and that Dan hooker, Dan hooker can take his own career trajectory wherever he wants it. I hope as a fan of Dan hooker, the dude is a gangster. I hope he goes back to 55 because Arnold Allen. I, I've always been a huge fan of his. I know he's immensely talented, but he didn't even need to work that hard for this win. I mean, hooker looked like a ghost of himself,
0: but I will say This performance, and I'm ignoring Chandler, I guess, but this performance and the Chandler performance are the only two that really concern me. Obviously, you look at a one in five or one in four fighter in his last five, and that's not good, but it's Poirier, Chandler, Makachev, Arnold Allen, all within like eight months. It's, it's, I mean, it's not that tight together, but it's nothing to scoff at he just looked so bad, which is what's concerned. Yeah. It, it looked like a completely different guy than who dominantly beat Nazrat um, just last September. Yeah. It, the, and, and that was the shock part for me.
2: And, and I'm glad you, it sounded like you finished up and said that was the shocking part. We lost you there for a second, but yeah, I wanted to bring up that that Nazrat fight wasn't that long ago and it was a phenomenal performance. So I don't think we need to be concerned about, Dan Hooker on the chopping blocks. I know Dana White doesn't sound like he's concerned. I think we're more on the page of, I think we're more on the page of Dan Hooker doesn't fit at 55 because the division's packed. Dan Hooker's too big for 45 because he clearly looked emaciated and, and strung out. So I don't know, man. I feel he, he reminds me of a tweener and I don't really know where he should go from here. I I don't know it's it's tough it's a tough spot especially for a guy that's such a fan favorite by the way he steps up and takes fights
0: definitely I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna get to be decently easy to cap Dan Hooker just because I don't think he has that extra level to dig deep and beat real contenders anymore but I think guys like Nasrat and 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 he might be that very last top five gatekeeper for the rest of his career and that and that'll help cappers decide who's who
2: I was about to say gatekeeper is seeming more and more like the word, the operative word.
0: But before we get off, Dan Hooker, this is this is because of you. I'm not saying it's for you. It's because
2: of you. Because down the hatch she goes. Man. And if you know, you know. If you don't, you should. Brought to you by Jepsen's Malort, proud sponsor of Ankle Pick Pod, a Chicago staple pick them up online or at your local retailer if you are in the chicagoland area Jepson Ooh. malort bet brought to you by Jepson's malort so let's get to the main event dan and it's back-to-back heavyweight main events and we will get to this upcoming one but for this one i gotta say dan wrong read on our behalfs and a lot of cappers in, in the mma universe because i saw nothing but volkov Five units Volkov, three units Volkov, Volkov by decision, Volkov this. And Volkov in his entire career, from what I've seen, other than maybe the Curtis Blades fight, I have never, and I guess Steril gone too, but you rarely see him get dominated. And even in those fights, it got dominated to a decision. I mean, he got finished and finished fast mm-hmm. and easily. I,
0: I've ended up playing it for just one unit as my smallest play of the night. And like I said on the episode, it's more of a situational play than anything else. Um, Obviously, I'm sitting here with egg on my face. Aspinall BJJ is fucking legit. The timing on those takedowns was sweet. Um, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but he's a guy I'm ready to say. Heavyweights, watch the fuck out. Because no one, including Cyril Gunn, I think, is ready for those well-timed takedowns and that BJJ and the, and that, that top pressure, the way he worked on Volkov. I know Volkov's not known for anything off his back, but, but the reason that he was on my card is because he has this experience. Tom Aspinall wasn't the, you yep. something that he had never seen. He, he had seen that many times and warm knife through butter, Tom Aspinall real deal, um, and, I mean, it also was a little bit just of how Tom Aspinall was playing it. He wanted to slow play himself. He initially wasn't scheduled against Volkov. He was scheduled against, um who was it? Shamil Abdurakamov. It was, like, not supposed to be this tough of a fight for him. It was a lot to chew on, and he swallowed it all one bite.
2: Yeah. And I guess... I want to mention that this upcoming main event is the only guy that I would love to see in that type of matchup. And I'm sure we will see that, but I think that my one takeaway is I know we both were on Volkov and a lot of the, I think what this is, is we all kind of wrote off that Andre Orlovsky sub. And I think that this more than anything else is a very good picture on what, on how Tom Aspinall is evolving and what we can expect from Tom Aspinall in the future. I think those are the two big takeaways because Aspinall is not going anywhere. He's young, he's a character, and he is talented at all dimensions of this game. And so I think when we're looking at the new wave of heavyweight, I think it's going to be catapulted by Tom Aspinall, Cyril Gahn. We'll have some, I think we're going to have you know, maybe even a trilogy kind of thing between those guys, uh, Curtis Blades, but... The, I the think Aspen after, all
0: holds gold before it's all said and done.
2: I do. I do. You do too? Yep. Yeah. He's just really well-rounded, and he's at a point, too, where he's young enough, 28, dedicated enough, in a good enough camp, and so far in the UFC, he hasn't even been tested. I mean, seriously, he's had... Four first-round finishes, granted, Alan Baudot and Jake Collier aren't, you know, world beaters, but Andre Orlovsky, who's proven to stand the test of time, but also the knowledge aspect, finished him via rear naked choke, finishing Sergey Speedback via striking is nothing to scoff at, and now Alexander Volkov, who Curtis Blades couldn't finish with his wrestling and top pressure, Alexander Volkov, who Cyril Ghosn couldn't finish from distant range striking, Alexander Volkov, who is six foot nine and has phenomenal takedown defense because of how long he is, and he can always keep his feet on the mat, getting destroyed and dismantled and subbed. I mean, dude, if this wasn't a showing out party, I, I honestly don't know what is.
0: Yeah, very very bright
2: future for him. As absolutely And a future that I'm excited to be a fan of the sport for. So that's going to wrap up UFC London nine performance bonuses. We didn't want, we didn't need Kobe to run through them all. It was anyone and everyone who got a finish. So nine finishes out of, I believe, 12. Pretty good rate for anyone watching this card. Couple of the hometown favorites lost, but all in all, I, I think this was a card that went better than expected.
0: And I'm not one to sit here and whine about fighter or pay or whatever, but I would love to see this being just consistent going forward. If you get a finish, you get a performance bonus. I think that that'd be a great rule of thumb.
2: Yeah, I doubt we see it, but I agree. Especially because... And again, I don't want to bog down on this, but Patty was mentioning to Dave that he got 24 pay or 24 show, 24 win, which
0: I think it was 12 and 12, not even 12 and 12, 12, 12, and 12
2: and 12, which people were shocked at. And, and that's so typical for a starting out con- contract at the big show. Like when he re-ups, we're talking about 300,000 pay for per fight at least it's it's so people freaked out but it, it it there is a huge like once it starts it starts but to prove his bonus for the finish was 2x his total pay and win that's crazy to me so i agree i think you shouldn't see professional athletes begging on camera for the bonus so they can feed their kids i i think that there is a disconnect there but nine bonuses was definitely fun i think fight of the night should go by the wayside as well because that's two more finish bonuses you could always do. But I don't know. I think we're watching that evolve in front of our eyes. But top down, great card, nine bonuses. It sounded like it got good ratings. It was a midday card, so you knew I was mad. But all in all, a win. I'm happy to close the book on UFC London. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we rock into news and notes in this week's card? Just a
0: really, really awesome card. Had a lot of fun watching it.
2: Yeah, it's good stuff, minus the – unit, and honestly, the, the red units weren't even that bad because it was accompanied by such a red card – or a good card.
0: For real. No, I, I, I will remember this card very fondly, and I did not have any kind of momentum at all.
2: There we go. So, looking to get the green back on this week. But before we get to this week, Country Club, this is your time to shine, baby.
1: Just a few news and notes this week. Let's start with the main piece of the dominating news cycles all week colby jorge too at poppy steak in miami uh it looks like jorge might have gotten the best of colby with a couple of shots to the head my big not that my biggest takeaway one thing that stood out from all the accounts was some rando eyewitness didn't know who any of these people were when he was referring to like i don't know what he i don't know if he gave a police reporter if he was reporting to some press outlet he basically said Like the most, the most shocking part of it was the the guy that was getting, he didn't know the names of these people. The guy that was getting hit just didn't go down. So he was surprised. He thought they might be fighters, which apparently Colby lost teeth, which he, you know, might be disputing. But I think that that kind of speaks for itself. We could figure that out. Um, And it sounds like Jorge is, I don't know, some sort of facing battery charges.
2: Yeah, I haven't read much into this. My big takeaways was I saw that Colby filed the police report anonymously, which is funny, because obviously people are going to find out who got assaulted. I think he just wanted to save face a little bit. For anyone who's like, been part of the whole journey with this Colby saga, back in Brazil, after the filthy animals, Fabricio Verdoom actually threw a boomerang at him. I'm not kidding. It was a boomerang. And Colby filed an assault charge then too which he walked back after getting huge backlash um, over a boomerang. So this time he decides to go anonymously and file charges. I don't know. I think that it, I don't know what side to take because obviously Jorge can't run up and just start jumping people because he's got beef. But at the same time, if Colby's going to run his mouth like he does.
1: Right. All of a sudden where there's smoke, there's fire. He's been involved right. in a lot of these.
2: Right.
0: I've got no real take. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that I'm I'm never gonna condone assault, but it sounds but. like Colby said a lot of shit that he might not have been surprised that this have happened. The only interesting thing I wanted to add is I think Colby was out all day with the Nelk Boys. Does, is there any weight to maybe this being not like set up like it was fake, but Colby being set up like I'm spending all day with these guys who have a big presence of like posting where they're gonna be or like just a lot of attention or, or want the attention the to way. maybe come to them. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm I'm the not trying way. to insinuate anything, but I am gonna bring up the conspiracy theory.
2: The only way I'd give that weight is if all of a sudden there's a bunch of like pro res high footage that comes out on these YouTube channels that get a lot of buzz. But the other thing, too, that I think is so dumb about this is it's like you literally like for Jorge, he just had 25 minutes to settle this shit and he lost. And he, got, I mean, he hit
0: Colby with his best punch and Colby dropped to a knee. I mean, it wasn't like.
2: Right. But other than ending. that, other than that, it was 24 minutes of Colby kind of putting the work on him. It's like you had time to accomplish this, you know, so I don't know. That's a weird one for me.
1: Keeping it moving. A um, couple of announcements. UFC is looking to set up UFC 281. That's all the way out in October, but that's going to be back in Abu Dhabi at, at the ad arena.
0: Oh, that's cool. I hope it's another uh, Dagestani heavy card. Islam was
1: hoping to get on that. Like I, this is now, this is not news and notes of the week, news and notes of the week. This is a couple of weeks old, but he was trying to fight Dariush in time to fight on that card for a title. Mm. But I don't know that if that timing even works. It yeah, seems like that's there's a lot of gonna, pieces to happen before yeah, October. Yeah, that's
2: one of those things that's just going to develop as it develops. Like, I I don't even know.
1: Whatever. We'll see. It'll come to Dana. fruition in time. You know
2: how it is. Dana's going to Dana. He's a power-hunger guy.
1: Um, Some fight announcements now. Tanner Bozier and Alexander Romanov. That's April
0: 23rd. And Romanov's stepping in for someone, correct?
1: Yes. I'm blanking on who it was. doesn't
0: matter. But props to Romanov. I think the... Odds completely switch there. I think Romanov will end up being a favorite over Bozer. Luis Smolka and Davey Grant on May 14th. It's
2: I'm violence. just going to say something and get out ahead of it. Marab, where are you, man? I need... Every week, every week, dude. The I want him so bad. I dump, I have so much of his prison rookie cards. I love the machine and his pace and his pressure. And I don't know. He's still shaking off the cobwebs from Marlon's overhand, I guess. That's my only guess.
1: Um, we have Ryan Span and Jan Kutalaba that's rebooked, yeah, now I saw day that. 14th.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, Ian Kutalaba, Ryan Span. Dan, we got to get country club monitor. That's what we need, to, just kind of like a stock ticker, Kobe. We need you to have like get alerts and monitoring the shit so that when lines drop, Danny and I can get on it because I guarantee that line is going to steam heavily in Kutalaba's favor after oh. open. I would bet pretty heavily on that one.
1: Here's one that's pretty exciting. Uh, Santiago Ponzanibio and Michelle Pajera. That's May 21st.
2: There goes Gunnar Nelson's wish. But, yeah, that'll be exciting. That Lots of violence be, there. That'll be yeah. sweet. That's going to be interesting to see how a guy with Ponzanibio's pedigree handles someone who's so unorthodox like Pereira.
1: Also that May 21st date, Chidi and Jokani and Dusko Todorovich.
2: Wow. That that one's that's going to be one of those underrated that people won't pay much attention to. And then as it's happening, people are, like, oh wow. You know, Dusko leaves his chin in the air, but he's willing to stand and bang. And then Chidi obviously has that power. We saw it displayed last time. And for a long-rangy striker, that, that 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 that's got a finish written on it.
1: Um, last piece of news and notes here. It sounds like they're going with Figgy versus Brandon Moreno four for the flyweight title, and they're hoping to do that in July. Dan, I saw you Lazy. tweeting about that. Lazy. Yeah.
0: I, I think that it just holds up the division even more. We've got this coming week, Asker Askarov fighting Kai Kaikara France, and there's no reason why the winner of that fight should have to wait until the very end of the year. Um, to get their title shot. They both have deserved it no matter who wins.
2: And there's even more than that. It's not even like the women's divisions where it's like, who does Valentina fight for a third time? It's like, we're talking about, a a, even with Dana stripping it, we're talking about a pretty legitimate division here. And it's like, it's upsetting because I don't know if this is even what the fans want to see again, in all honesty. And I also feel like, what happens if Moreno wins it back? Are we seriously going to run it back for a fifth time? <laughs> I mean, look. It's I not even Pant- that it's
1: four times. it said it's four times in a row. I yep. mean,
2: I think, I think Pantoja's getting screwed. I think Asker, Asker is getting screwed. I think Cara France, if he beats Askers, is getting screwed. I think a guy like uh, Pantoja. Pant- I said Pantoja. A guy like uh, Nicolau, who's on a four-fight win streak and is about to fight Dvorak actually this week. I mean, if he wins, he's gonna be like, come on, I'm top five. I want at least a chance to have this in my sights, you know. So David DeVorex guy who's won every fight in UFC. It's just I don't know, man. I I, I know that Mick Maynard has a plan in place, but I don't know. I think you're I think they're doing the flyaway to disservice by leaving it a two headed show.
1: Definitely. That's what we got for news and notes. Should we move it on to UFC Columbus?
2: Yeah. So uh, this week's card is UFC, Dawkus Blades, it's Vegas. No, Columbus, Columbus. Columbus. UFC Fight Night Columbus. Look at that. COVID is over, people. Forget what the press is telling you. COVID is over. So, Columbus, Ohio, 13 fights starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time, or I mean Central time, so it looks like you're going to have your Saturday night to yourself again. Um. So 13 fights, and we're opening off with Luis Saldana versus Bruno Souza, and my lazy ass, not lazy ass, unprepared ass, doesn't have best fight odds open, out the gate. So now I do. So Bruno Souza is going to be minus 120 over on Five Dimes, but across the board, it's it seems about even, and Luis Saldana is going to be plus 100, and this opened it even. So. From, from where I see bets being placed, it got hit with sharps hard towards the sosa side and then has basically just trickled all the way back to even since then going towards Soldana. So Dan where where do your chips lie because it, it really does seem like it's a mixed bag as far as people betting goes.
0: I've got no play here. My lean is on the soldana side. Um, both of these guys are mainly strikers. It's gonna be interesting to see how this one plays out with so- or with Sosa. Kind of having that wide base karate style. I think he does train with Leoto Machida, um, so kind of expect a similar game plan or, or fight style that you would see from Leoto. But that'll put Luis on the front foot, kind of controlling the dance, being the um, being the more productive um, and more active striker, which could be it, it's it's just going to take Bruno. To land his counters extremely well and keep his movement going, great to win two rounds. And I think that optum or um, optics wise, it's going to be hard for Bruno to uh, control ten minutes of this fight.
2: Yeah, especially as a rangier fighter. But Loyota obviously is as good as they come when it comes to that type of fight style. I don't see it any differently than you. I thought the over when I was taking notes could be appetizing, but. I mean, this is taking place at 45. They both are preliminary strikers, kind of ruling this as enjoy the fight, but it's going to be hard to get a lean either way. Phenomenal flyweight bout up next. David Dvorak, who's 20-3 and three and undefeated in the UFC, takes on Matthias Nikolau, who in his own right is on quite the run. I just mentioned him in, in the title talks. And that line's also even. David Dvorak minus 120, Matthias Nikolau plus 100. And this one also opened at 110 each way. So same type of line trajectory here from what it looks like. It instantly went from Dvorak and steamed towards Nikolaou. And then ever since then, Betts have just trickled in on Dvorak and has brought it back to even. So it seemingly is another coin flip here, Dan. And, and I went back and forth on this one almost the entire time I was taping. I thought I found a lean. That would favor Dvorak, and then I kind of looked and compared it to similar footage that I might see out of Nikolaou. and then I go, okay, well Nikolaou actually might have an edge here. You know, I I rewatched that Kate fight, which ended up being a split decision for him. So I really don't have a read here, Dan. And and the other thing too is I would be, even though both these guys have had quite a run with decisions, as far as 125ers go the Dvorak can finish this shit. So over-unders don't seem to be safe to me either.
0: Yeah. I tend to lean Dvorak. Matus, solid mm-hmm. striker. Um, We saw him get two really gritty and pretty impressive wins over Cape and Tim Elliott, but those are both fights that I think he could have lost easily. I think that if James Krause is doing a little bit better of a corner job, telling Tim, I think he told Tim that, Tim was up 2 Yeah, he did.
2: That was a in, a, in a now. like close
0: fight. And Tim just didn't do anything in the third. Um, and then the Cape one could have gone either way. I think Dvorak is just going to be so much better and so much more purposeful and precise uh, when it comes to the striking. I think that Nikolaus is going to need to drag this to the mat to have a lot of success. And I'm not sure that he's going to be willing to accept that right away. I think he's going to be reluctant I think he's going to get tagged by Dvorak. I think Dvorak's going to have a lot of success early on this fight. And uh, I'm not sure that I can trust Matus to put it on in the end. He really just kind of wrote out the Tim Elliott fight. It wasn't like it was a dominant performance, even with Tim accepting the um, inferior position.
2: Yeah. And Tim, obviously, in his most recent fight, showed that he still has... So it, it the win has aged pretty well, but I agree. The cornering was bad. I know it, it also affected Tim's approach, but... That's an interesting take as far as seeing where, where Nicolau is compared to Dvorak. I don't disagree. And, and honestly, Dvorak's one of those guys that's like getting an even price on him might age incredibly 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 well. Definitely. Jennifer Maya versus Man Man and Far who were no stranger to backing. And Faro is minus 425 on five dimes. Jennifer Maya recent title contender plus three forty on the other side and this opened up at four minus two twenty five so it has gotten absolutely smashed in yeah, favor that's a huge 4-0. miss by us I would have
0: played that straight
2: Dan um I should have mentioned something because I did play it straight um I actually bet this I'm gonna get my ticket up while we talk but I am all over four here I, I like Maya. I, I, She actually put together a couple impressive rounds against Shevchenko. She actually was a live favorite at one point. But when you watch the performance against Jukakian, it really shows some areas where Maya needs work. And guess Especially what? Especially
0: against a striker like Foireau. It's going to be so easy for her to repeat that Jukakian game plan. Boom. This is one where you pause the science. This is one I'm adding to a parlay. I've already got it. Whatever, you fleshed out, out of my mouth. So
2: I placed, not to interrupt you, sorry, but I placed on March 18th at 4:51 p.m. I took Mannion Faro minus 310. So I didn't quite get that 255, but still a lot of
0: closing line, value. a lot
2: more value than that. And I should have, my bad to the listeners. I should have made a post on Twitter because. We all could have shared in the closing line value, but nonetheless. Manu Based below, on the way
0: those uh, Brits moved last week, there could be even more closing line value here. If you place yeah. somewhere like, uh, I think I was seeing 425 at yeah, five times or right um, right at, at FanDuel maybe, um, there still could be some value here. It's as crazy as that sounds.
2: No, absolutely. And – like we said i mean it's so easy to apply tape when the person they just fought fights so similarly and and stylistically has similar skill sets it's like a lot easier to go okay well if you insert for the only thing is faro is faster
0: and hits hits harder
2: boom i mean what more could you want so the 425, although a lot of people, because they're very familiar with Jennifer Myers, she fought for a title, might be taken back by that line. Do not get sucked into the underdog. Unless you're following the science. For science fa- purposes, stay away from this one. It, it's seeming like we're all over Faro here.
0: But if you're new to the science, I recommend starting after this fight. I agree. <laughs> I
2: agree. There's other spots that will be much more, much better. So Alia's cut. Co- Alias Hob, kursiv first Dennis Tulian, Tululian, and that line is kursiv minus seven hundred, Tululian plus five hundred. And based on how you heard me, just attempt to butcher those names to the best of my ability, you will know as much as the next guy that these guys are UFC debut. I know from the footage that. Uh, Kurziev did have a contender series bout recently. I believe it was this season um, 20. So yeah. So September, 2020, so maybe last season. Um, but so he's making his octagon debut after having a lot of canceled bouts in the interim. And this Talulian is making his UFC debut here at, I believe this, this bout's taking place at middleweight. So Danny, the line's huge. It's going to be hard to find a spot. Do you have a lean here? Do you have a take? Do you have an area where a bet could be placed? or is this I've got him as yourself?
0: a parlay piece. Um, he's a classic Dagestani prospect. Just great wrestling, great top control, great ground and pound. Uh, we'll take a sub if you offer it to him. And the biggest thing for me is just Dennis is coming in on short notice. He is going to be slightly bigger than Kizriev. He's a big middleweight, but um, he hasn't shown me that he is – of the caliber that Alias Cobb is. Um, I know that we saw Dennis recently in Strickland's corner. He had just made the move to extreme Couture. And I think he's working with a lot better of fighters than he had in his past, but he's a guy that I say it a lot. You look into the record of his opponents. And I think it's something ridiculous. Like he's fighting guys that are like, that are like two and 12 and, and one in 10. And it's just, for me, it's, it's just not enough to uh to even consider as a, as a realistic guy yeah the wins over an 0 and 11 guy uh professional wins over debuts coming off of amateur two and five um i like alias cobb in parlays here i don't like it up at the 700 i think on betway you can still get it at like 500 450 and that's much more appealing for parlays the 700 might not even help but i think that I have him with Foireau and with Curtis Blades later, and the three of those together pays even money.
2: Hey, honestly, that right there is not a bad parlay. I Like, honestly, those are the three obviously big favorites, but hard to see a way where they lose. Um, Dana Bat-Gerald is fighting Chris Gutierrez at 135. This line is Bat-Gerald minus 140. Seemingly across the board, Gutierrez plus 120 on the other side. This opened up Gerald minus 150, but the line movement's interesting. It looks kind of like a stock chart. It it got hammered towards Bat Gerald, then got hammered back to Gutierrez, and then most recently coming back towards Bot Gerald's favor. So although Bot Gerald's still the favorite and it's only come off a little bit, it, it does seem like there's action on both sides of this coin. For me. This one was probably one of the hardest to get a full read on just because of the types of performances they put out there. I mean, on Bot Gerald's side, he's obviously extremely built, but outside his UFC debut, we've seen nothing but finishes and and, and we're talking rapid. I mean, we're talking first round, first round, first round on the other side. It's like Chris Gutierrez. He's, he's obviously a well-known fighter. He, yeah he finished Vince Morales with the leg kicks that was one of the that was in the apex one of the earlier fights one of the one of the few finishes by a TKO via leg kicks and has a little bit more UFC experience under his belt so this one to me was tough to get a read on because you obviously want to go on the side of Gerald with the type of finishing streak he's on and the flashiness but a dog price on a guy with the resume of Gutierrez, I won't lie, is appealing to me.
0: I am going to be betting bat Gerald. I like this play go. a lot. I think that Reese mentioned it, the the calf kick TKO that Gutierrez has. MMA fans are really into calf kicks, especially guys that have like the one or two finishes. I think that a guy like bat Gerald is going to be smart enough and experienced enough to know those calf kicks are coming and know how to deal with them whether it's just checking a few or being able to counter the heck out of them. Once, once he, once he kind of evens out or, or takes away that tool from Gutierrez, I think that this is a completely one-sided fight. And I think that Gerald's going to hurt him on the feet, um, but it all kind of rests on him being smart enough, him being ready for that calf kick.
2: Yeah. The ability to check kicks, especially, and you would think, Coming in on a fight like this, that you would know, that Gerald has planned or addressed the leg kicks. To at least an extent. So assuming that he's able to check those, yeah, that that does change the element of this fight a lot.
0: Yeah, um, I, I just I have to assume he is. He's one of the only like top level fighters that's sticking around at Jackson Wink, So maybe he's getting more attention, or maybe he's I don't know, but. I have to to assume that they're ready for those calf kicks.
2: Yeah, that's a safe assumption. Sarah McMahon is fighting Carl Rosa, Carol Rosa at Bantamweight here. And that's actually an underrated fight that I'm kind of excited for. But Sarah McMahon is getting one. She's plus 175. Carol Rosa plus 210. Line opened pretty similarly and, and hasn't seen a whole lot of action. It opened at minus 200 for Rosa, so... It stayed relatively flat. The The question or the concern, I guess I would say, is Sarah McMahon, 41 years old, and is one of the better wrestlers the, the women's UFC has to offer. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal grappler. But, but, it stops there. And I remember there was a long streak here where she lost to Marion Henault via triangle choke. In 2018, she took a little bit off to do some grappling matches. Catlin Vieira via sub, and most recently, Juliana Pena via sub. Sarah McMahon,
0: I I don't know if you realize this, Reese, but Sarah McMahon deserves a lot of the credit for the science being a thing. I had my biggest bet of the night of that Poirier-McGregor fight. Betting against the current champion, Juliana Pena, on Sarah McMahon, knowing full and well that she was going to dominate the wrestling, Yep. As she did for 10 minutes. Yep. And then there was no gas in the tank. And then it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I paid favorite money on someone that can't fight for 15 minutes. Yep. And it was, I, I, that was my biggest play of one of the biggest cards of the year. And it's one of the biggest factors really behind staying away from any woman's favorite. And I think that she's going to pay me back here because I like her as a dog. I don't think that Carol's gonna be able to stuff those takedowns. And I think Sarah McMahon is going to win this fight by decision. And I like a one unit play at that big plus one eighty-five, so, plus so one seventy-five price.
2: Here's the problem. I agree with you fundamentally. She's a phenomenal wrestler. She can easily ride her way to a decision, especially with that top pressure. The problem is, is she's 41 years old, so she's not gonna be any better. At 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 going fifteen full minutes hard. The other thing that concerns me is she's someone who loves to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. And I know you probably think you heard that wrong, but no, I said that right. A lot of people say you snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. No, she likes to lose when she pretty much has it wrapped up. And I mean, all of these sub losses: Catlin Vieira, Marion Nano, Juliana Pena. It's like she showed that she has this skill set and throws it all away via. I mean, Mary O subbed her from the bottom. It's like I, I I don't trust her enough to put my money. I agree, the dog value is enticing. I agree that that line is a little steep, but you can go from being alive minus three hundred after she finishes two rounds to being bet being chalked, and that's a problem for me.
0: Yeah, I I mean I've been I've been hurt by her before, and I'm ready again.
2: All right. Well, I love your confidence. Last prelim. Before the main card, Neil Magny's taking on Max Griffin, a battle of the veterans and a battle of the, of the decision monsters here. We got Max Griffin getting plus 200, Neil Magny minus 240. Line opened at Neil Magny minus 150. So considerable movement, all in favor of Neil Magny. And Dan, I'm going to put my cards on the table out the gate. I like where the money is headed. I think that Max Griffin is really good at preying on the newcomers the guys that he can take to decision so either the super old vets or the the newcomers i think that he's a guy who relies on decisions going his way to an extent especially earlier in his career but we're talking about a guy who lost to curtis millinder who
0: who looked really lost, shaky not who curtis millinder but a guy the same guy max Griffin, who looked really yeah. shaky against carlos condon in a fight where he should have ran through carlos
2: right and, but, but we're talking about losses to Alex Oliveira, who obviously, I mean, that was in 2020, but Curtis Millinder got, was on Bellator scene for a while. And then is now he's in like PFL. So this is a guy that in all honesty, you don't know what you're going to get. And this is a really good fight for a guy like Neil Magny who doesn't give fights away.
0: And he who's was really difficult to deal with. He's got yeah. you from range. He's got you in the clinch. Uh, he can grapple if you want. I'm, Chiesa, he learned his lesson, but he's going to be able to grapple Max Griffin. I'm I'm there with you. Uh, right yeah. as we were talking, I placed a three-unit bet over on wow. Betway at minus 235. Wow. I love I love the spot for Neil Magny.
2: Yeah, I know. It's a phenomenal spot, and I agree. Neil Magny will see my card in some way, shape, or form. little bummed out it's not that 150 ticket, though. Definitely. Okay, now we're getting on the main card. Mark DeCasey. Is fighting Vashlav Borishev, the team alpha male, I believe kickboxing instructor. We said Dan. Yeah, I think
0: he's the head striking coach over there.
2: Um, so there you go. So we got a head striking coach versus a guy who's known for his flashy striking. And the line here is so so you know he's gonna give him the fight he wants. The line here is Borishev minus 152 to Casey plus 132. Open at Borishev minus 155. So basically it got insta hit towards the Casey then stayed flat and then got insta hit back to Borischev. So it looks like two whales who are disagreeing on who the better striker is. I- I'm laying so far away from this, Dan. I cannot even emphasize. I mean, yeah, like I'm I- excited
0: to watch this one. I don't think I'll yeah. have a bet on it. I tend to lean with the dog though. I think that uh, you said something that the being the striker that he is, is going to give Borischev the fight he wants I'm not so sure about that. I know that DeCasey can stand in front of him and strike and maybe outpoint him, but I have to think that DeCasey has more tools in the tool belt. Maybe DeCasey wants to clinch, maybe throws in some some wrestling and shoots for a takedown. I have to imagine, based on what we've seen, that Eileen DeCasey in being the more complete fighter, the more complete martial artist, um, and especially from what we've seen from Vyacheslav. He could gas out early, and I, I, I think that DeCasey at a dog price is not a bad play based on what we've seen from both, but I'm not excited to play it. I'm not running to the window. At this point, it's not even in the system at all. Well, on um, top
2: of that, you know you don't need to twist my arm too much to get me to fade Team Alpha Male, so add that to the docket <laughs> <topic>. Alexio <laughs> Linick takes on Elier Il- 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 Latifi at heavyweight. and man, Super interesting what- matchup. Oh, my gosh. Talk about a fight that I don't even know why it's taking place. Either Latifi minus 210, Alexio Olenek plus 175, lined open at either Latifi minus 150 and just has been hit straight since. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about two guys who are so far over the hump of their prime. Latifi 38, Alexio Olenek. I think Dana just, I don't know, doing the man favors, but he's dropped three straight. He's 44. I mean, what do you even make of this? Honestly, I, I'm I really, interested
0: in this fight. And maybe wow. maybe I'm just too deep in, into this sport and my fandom. But I
2: mean, I love both these guys, but what is what is a 44-year-old Olympic and a 38-year-old heavyweight Euler Latifi bringing to this table? That's my question.
0: Well, they're both kind of the old mold, hilarious heavyweight where they're like, I'm really good at one thing and I haven't quite learned anything else. Olenek is really dangerous on the ground. Latifi is really dangerous at laying on top of you and getting decisions. <laughs> I I don't think that he can lay on top of Olenek here. I think he's going to be, I mean, I'm a little uh, PTSD'd, but um, in the Paul Craig splash zone, the, the, the snatch up a limb zone, if Latifi tries to hang out on Olenek, I think that the more people that are betting Latifi now at like two to one, or I guess uh, one to two, it's crazy. I think that come Saturday morning, if I see a two in front of Alexi Olenek or some crazy number in front of the sub, that's going to be a side that I'm on. I don't see Latifi having just an easy fight here as much as the line would suggest and as much as people are saying, like, I'm there with you. Olenek probably should have hung it up a little bit ago, but this is a winnable
2: fight for him. This is a great matchup for him. I mean, I can see... The Elar Latifi throwing a left jab out there and dropping Olenek. But I also can see Olenek pulling the Paul Craig snatcher wrist and calling it an afternoon. Right. I
0: I could see Elar Latifi jab dropping Olenek and all of a sudden he's like rolling for an ankle and and he's got a knee bar and it's
2: fights over. (laughs) I guess it's remained to be seen. So stay tuned to Twitter to see where Danny's at on the heavyweight spectacle that that one is. Now we're getting to a fight that shakes up divisions. Asker Askerov's taking on Kai Carr France at 125. And Asker Askerov, deservingly so, is a sizable favorite at minus 365. Kai Carr France, who is kind of put himself in stardom after that Garbrandt finish, is plus 305. This opened at Asker Askerov minus 200 and has just been smashed since then, tipping as high as minus 400. Um, and I just mentioned it at 365, but it has peaked at 400. So, wow. I mean, we're talking about some serious line smashing there. And, like, look, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but it's like Asker Askerov is just better everywhere. And, and it really – and I don't mean to sound like – I'm not trying to take any notches out of Kai Car France's game, but, like, Kaikar France was backpacked by, I believe, is Royval before getting – By Bontorin, a too um on too like i know he knocked out garbrandt which really threw him on the scene but asker askerov is not only better everywhere but he is the 125 champion in my opinion he will be and i think he will be for a good while so for me this is a layoff i think the line's a, a little steep but i mean i i don't know if you got anything to add there
0: no not a ton i'm there with you missed the boat on the line steaming yeah. um like I said during news and notes, though, I want the winner of this to be in line for the next title shot. I see no reason why they wouldn't be um, slightly concerned about Kai's speed and power, but like Reese said, Askarov is just better than him, and I don't think that Kai's going to have any answer for, for Askar's wrestling the second that he gets inside, and I, I don't think he'll have any trouble doing that either.
2: A long 125 or two, so you're looking at a guy who can hopefully stay at range against Franz. Matt Brown, the immortal, is taking on Brian Barberena. Another somewhat spectacle of a fight here, just being that Matt Brown retired and then unretired, and then Barberena seemingly is the king of 50K bonuses for fight of the night because he gets hit a lot and he hits a lot. So this one I think is actually going to make out to be a spectacle that's actually a fun fight to watch. But we're looking at minus 110 each way. Matt Brown did open as a favorite instantly dropped to even and then has just plateaued since so i think people are pretty split at this point on where it's going to be it's an absolute coin flip and i don't have any inclination to tell either side they're wrong i think i i i matt matt brown's definitely more skilled definitely more technical but also definitely more i don't want to say fragile but past his prime i mean he retired he was on a losing streak he came back He's had like fights like Diego Sanchez, but Brian Barbarino is a different animal to put away. And so can Matt Brown give 15 hard minutes? I, I don't know. I don't trust either side here to comfortably place a wager.
0: I won't be betting either side this, this fight, but I do have a bet. Um, the fight doesn't go the distance sitting at minus minus one seventy two over at draft Kings. And this is a lot to do with, our new friend, MMA Lock of the Night, I mentioned him twice this show, but he posted a stat that um, Matt Brown's going to be fighting in Ohio, Columbus. Matt Brown has fought nine times in Ohio. He's from Ohio in his career. All nine of them have been finishes, whether he's gotten finished or, or not. This is a guy who you can count on. As Reese said, he's coming out of retirement for this in front of his hometown guys. Uh, he's going to come out there an adrenaline dump against a guy like Barbara. Anna. I don't think that that's a great idea. But regardless of how this goes, I think that it's not seeing the judges. Um, and I I, I like a, a two unit play on the fight. Doesn't go the distance regardless of who ends it. I, I personally think that Barbarina is going to stuff takedowns and end up hurting Matt Brown. But uh, regardless of how this goes, I like the under.
2: There you go. I mean, that's an inch. The only reason why that scares me is just because we've seen how durable Barbarina can be, but We also know Matt Brown has the ability to get crafty, especially with those elbows, so look to see that that fight doesn't go to decision. Co-main event, Joanne Wood, formerly known as Joanne Colderwood, is taking on Alexa Grasso, who's put on a couple great performances strung together. Grasso's minus 235. Joanne Wood, plus 195. Grasso opened at 185, so a little bit of action towards Grasso. Nothing major. I... I like Grosso a lot here, but I also hate – because Grosso's shown time and time again that she can strike with the best of them, and her stand-up's incredible. I mean, she showed it against Macy Barber. She showed it against Jeon Kim. She showed it against Carly Nikola which, again, that one didn't age great. But I don't know, man. Joanne Wood's crafty enough where – well-rounded enough where she might be able to give her problems. But I, I still think I – I mean, we're talking about a girl in, in Joanne Wood who was uh, Lauren Murphy went away from a title shot. But that's just it. She couldn't beat Lauren Murphy. So I, I don't know what to make of this, Dan. I'm scared to put money on the favorite, although that's definitely where my, my mind has taken me is that Alexa Grasso is going to win this one pretty easily. Yet I'm really apprehensive. And so that's what's causing me to not place anything.
0: I think it's for good reason, though, because we know both these fighters, the optics of the fight, as good as Alexa's going to look, Joanne's going to lead the dance. She's going to throw double as many strikes as Alexa, Alexa and it's going to take Alexa to really show the judges, whether she drops JoJo or, or something, that she's landing these the better shots, the ones that we expect her to land, because she is the better fighter than JoJo, as, as the line suggests. I won't be playing this, but I see exactly where you're coming from. I see why you're apprehensive. I do think Alexa is just going to be the better fighter. I think she's going to outclass JoJo. Um, It's all about the optics, though. It's about not making JoJo look like she's having a lot of success during the flurries and making sure you make her pay for those flurries. Every time she comes in, showing her that you can't do this for free and tagging her either with with a strong jab or or some kind of hook.
2: Yeah, this has... Split decision, victory written all over it. Um, One judge looks at volume, one judge looks at damage. Where's the other judge head at that night? Yeah, I'm just, I feel too shaky going in for me to make a sizable play on it, but I do think I lean Grasso, which obviously the line suggests in the first place. So that's not rocket, or that's not world-beating news or anything like that. Main event time. And this main event is... Interesting. It's a tale of two stories, but you got Curtis Razor Blades versus Chris Dawkus at 265. The line, as it usually is for Curtis Blades, is minus 390 over at five dimes and has crossed the 400 threshold in a lot of places, plus 320 for Chris Dawkus on the other side. This opened at 300 for Blades and has just gotten smashed since... And now Blades is twenty five percent a higher favorite here. Um, I mean, Dan, we anyone who's listening to this and, and a lot of people in the community know what these two guys bring to the table. What they might not know, and uh, you 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 probably do, but Chris Dawkins is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. I don't know if that will play a factor. Chris Dalkis also has a hundred percent takedown defense, but. One is against Eric Lewis after getting pieced up. And the other, I need to see his record. It'll come back to me. The other was against Shamil Abdurrahimo. Nope, Alexio Linick. Alexio Linick was the other who he ended up finishing instantly. So he's stuffed two out of two. But we, as we also know on the other side, Curse Blades is a whole other animal. And oh yeah, barring the one shot KO power that these heavyweights bring, Curtis Blades is not losing. You know what I mean? Curtis Blades doesn't lose decisions.
0: And I, I said this, I'll preface this for if we have a new listener, because listeners will know I've been really low on Chris Dalkis but I'll say the exact same thing I said going into that Derek Lewis fight. Curtis Blades is not going to be fearful at all about Daukis' power. He doesn't have Derek Lewis power. The same way Derek Lewis wasn't afraid to just go in there and exchange um, Chris Daukes doesn't have that one punch. He's got the finishes at heavyweight, but they're from combos and speed and flurries of punches and overwhelming his opponent. And that's not how you beat a guy like Curtis blades. He's going to double leg you, you're going to be on your butt. And if you aren't phenomenal, like I, I understand the jujitsu on paper, but if you aren't phenomenal at getting back to your feet and getting a 250 pound animal off of you, uh, you're going to have a really tough time. I like her I like I like Curtis Blades a lot here. I don't I haven't outrightly said that. Um if it climbs down just a little bit, even even 270, 265, I think you'll see me playing Curtis Blades straight as well as that parlay that I said that ends with him. I'm really confident here. I think that Daucus, as shallow as heavyweight has been, there's no reason for a guy like Tim to be in his second headline fight. Um it's I just I, I have not seen enough. I've not seen really anything that shows me he's on the Curtis Blades level. He wasn't even on the Derek Lewis level. And say what you will about his win streak and where he's ranked. Derek Lewis is not the most technical of fighters.
2: No. And let me ask you a question. Straight up, who wins? Jorginho Rosenstruck or Chris Dawkins? Because I don't think I, I would take
0: Biggie Boy. Me I would too. line it.
2: And and I don't think Chris Dawkins brings anything that Biggie Boy can't. And 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 Curtis Blades just beat Rosenstrike and, and avoided those power punches so I, I mean I'm a huge Curtis Blades fan so I wanted to give you your opinion first but I think that this is going to be a TKO maybe probably not a submission I think it's gonna be a TKO from Blades or just a grinded out unanimous decision from just constant top pressure the other thing that's important to take home from this or take note of this is this is Curtis Blades like fifth or sixth main event so he has gone five rounds before. I mean, he just did against Volkov. So we're talking about a guy who, although he was gassed at the end of those five rounds, a guy who I know for certain can give you 20, 25 hard minutes. We don't know that about Daukas. So that's another notch towards Curtis Blades. I don't think you're going to see your 275 line, unfortunately. I think we're kind of fucked on that standpoint. But
0: oh, I thought I said 375. I was just oh, saying, I thought under the maybe 400. you did.
2: I might have misheard you, but yeah, I agree. Under 400, I, I could find definitely a par play, parlay piece. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, minor, minus a a Derek Lewis uppercut from hell, I don't see Blades losing a second of this fight. And that's yep. just my opinion on it. All right. Contra club, got to wrap up. And we got the last thing of housecle- cleaning is just, or housekeeping is just what we mentioned beforehand, we have a, we're going to have a new content map out. We're going to have some big changes. I mean, we're talking about a whole nother level of ankle pick. I don't even ankle pick. I don't even know. Just it's a commitment. It's commitment from the ankle pick boys
1: to bring Another you to
2: So for everyone who's been there from the beginning and continues to listen and follow and get in with us on Twitter and join the giveaways and I mean, that stuff, will always i mean like we're always gonna that motivated us to really get this product to a point where it's just unlimited phenomenal content for all of you guys so but this is just the beginning
0: for us subscribe to our youtube follow us on that tiktok tell your friends tweet us out even even if we do you dirty tell me how shitty of a capper i was last week because i promise you i'll make you up in the future
2: Yep, whatever you want. We'll we'll take the we'll take our lickens. But it, it was a great here. Dan paid his Milord bet and, and nothing but a good time for the ankle pick boys. So looking forward to changing gears. And how do you guys want to do the Poha? Me?
0: It's hard when you're pointing through Zoom.
2: Yeah, pointing through Zoom just basically is just a finger E T finger at me. But I'll hit it because I'm uh, we put a lot of effort into it.